Welcome to Go Closer, the podcast that explores spiritual transformation and what it takes to go closer to God each day. Hi, I'm Kara Whitney. I'm a wife, a mom, and an evangelist author. Hi, I'm Arnie Cole, a behaviorist and researcher for the Center for Bible Engagement that loves to study life transformation. You know, every person has a story. And today we have a story that will inspire you to go closer. Today's guest on Go Closer is a girl named Taylor. Arnie and I got the privilege to talk to her. She's a spark plug and she's she sure is. in her 20s and believes in purity. So I think to take a stand against the world like that is pretty incredible. But she shows us that it's actually possible. She sure does. Yeah. And so for anyone maybe with teenage girls, boys, this is a great episode. We learn a lot from Taylor today. Good ways to go closer on today's program. Here it is. So, Taylor, your parents uh, were divorced when you were very young. You had to be very young because you say you have no recollection of them ever being together. Yeah. I'm guessing I was, I think I was probably around two or three when they divorced. So, yeah, I really don't remember at all seeing them together. But I think that was kind of a good thing, you know. But Did they get along? You know, growing up, they got along pretty well but my brother was slightly older than me so he saw more and they didn't really within their marriage and so I think it improved actually after they divorced and time went on which was kind of really nice for us and stuff but according to Blake like it was kind of a toxic relationship so that's kind of why my mom left you know. And your mom was raised Methodist so there was something there. How did she do with that? Um, To be honest, I don't even remember going to church a lot. I remember a few times, but I had no idea what church was about. I thought it was just about this man, and I just knew I got cookies there. And so, yeah, it wasn't really a prominent part of our life. And I remember a few times going, but especially as I got older, it was more of an Easter thing or, you know, how some Christians just do, like, the major holidays or whatnot. So... Yeah, not very in our lives in a prominent way. And your mom then remarried at some point. Yeah, so Uh when I was six years old, she actually married my stepdad. And so that was kind of an awesome thing because I remember a short period where my mom was single and dating, but I've really had, like, I guess a dad most of my life. So yeah, that was when I was six years old. And you had a lot of siblings, a lot of (laughs) half-siblings. Yes, I do. I have one full brother, and then the rest of them are half-sees or step-siblings. But I don't know. It's kind of weird. People will always be like, how many are your real siblings? And I guess I've just known the half-siblings my whole life, and I've never seen it that way. And so they're all my real siblings, but I primarily just grew up in a family unit of four, so... I had brothers all around me, and I really loved that. That was fun. But yes, there's seven total. It's a lot. But they didn't all come from the same woman, so that's nice. (laughs) That would be a lot. So you were close to your your stepdad's family then, right? Yeah, because it was kind of one of those things, like, I forget that my grandpa and my grandma are my step-grandparents because they just came in at such a young age but yeah I got close with my grandma I was a little feisty so 
obviously, <laughs> you know, she had to, you know, tame me sometimes. But yeah, she she was really amazing. And then I was kind of close with my grandpa too, but um, not as much as my grandma. With all that going on, did you feel like when you went to see your grandma, there was some rest there? Looking back, I noticed that I like was with them, but not always doing much. And so I think I did kind of find rest there because it wasn't as chaotic as like other aspects of my life and other environments. But even I guess you saying that I would sit in church with her and I wouldn't even go to Sunday school. I would just sit in the service. And so I think part of me probably knew inside, but my little brain probably didn't know the reason why I was doing it. But now looking back, I see, oh, wow, I was going to church. I didn't know what we were talking about, but I was just sitting there being there with her. And so I think part of me knew inside that it was a good place, you know, that I could kind of rest in, I guess. And she led you to the Lord, is that right? How did how did that happen? What? My aunt officially prayed the prayer with me later on in life, but uh-huh. um, she definitely was the person who told me about Jesus. And I don't remember the exact moment, but I just remember sitting with her and asking her, like, what is Easter actually about? And she just kind of explained to me Jesus, and that was kind of the beginning of identifying because... When I was really little, I remember a distinct moment of always just having this question inside of me, almost like this profound question that stumped me every time from a very young age of like, how did I get here? You know, how did I come to be? And to be so young, I was always asking questions, my mom said, but it was kind of an answer finally to that little question inside of me and to actually know a reason why we were going to church and eating cookies, you know? (laughs) But (laughs) so you were nine when you came to know the Lord. Then two years later, you got baptized. What prompted you? Was it the Holy Spirit or was it did you know what you were doing? I don't think I fully knew what I was doing in regards to like the symbolism of baptism. Uh They kind of explain it to you, but I just knew that I wanted to be closer to the Lord And I felt like that was the next step. And that was very distinct in my desire of like, I just want to take that next step with him and be closer to him. And I feel like this is what I should do to do that. And so I knew that, but I probably didn't know all the details, you know, when you're older and you decide to do it and, you know, have messed up a couple of times and Yeah, but no, it sounds, it sounds like all the right reasons. It sounds like you were led by the Holy Spirit definitely to, to... You're making this change in your life, and although you're very young, uh, what is your mom doing at that? Is she watching this transformation? You know, to be honest, I... I don't know. She was very busy when I was growing up. She was very involved in her job. And that's kind of all I remember of her at that season of life is just Mm -hmm. working a lot and trying to, you know, help the family and have a a job and a career and stuff. And so I think she probably noticed a little bit, but I I guess I haven't even asked her, really. Um, yeah, because she was saved then when you were in middle school. What do you think prompted that change in her then? Was it your grandma as well? You know, I think it was probably a lot of things because she 
she'll say now that she looks back and sees that God was pursuing her in a lot of ways. And so I think it was probably the influence of my grandma Sherry because she was pretty vocal, you know, about her faith in like a good way. And so it was probably that. And then she actually went to a Women of Faith conference, I think it was. And that's when she really gave her life to the Lord. But I think, honestly, all of these little God moments probably were just kind of softening down that exterior in a sense sure and then at that conference you know that was that moment that boom it finally was like oh this is it you know and so I guess I can't confidently say if it was me or not because I think I really started to grow my relationship with the Lord later on in life so yeah because 11 is so young but I think you're a pretty in-tune thinker so growing up you felt like you were at war with yourself can you explain that I think when you're a child, you can't really identify what's going on. You just know how you're feeling. And even in those feelings, you can't always identify them. But looking back, I realized that I felt very confused about who I was because I entered into this family that loved the Lord, you know, and Right. were probably a little a little more peaceful and and then I had my other side of the family which is wonderful but they're not really avid followers of the Lord and so and they're kind of louder and passionate and you know do different things and so then I had like our family unit and my parents weren't quite saved yet and so we had our own dynamics going on there and so I just think like you know even with people who are in a divorce situation you're taking a kid and you're putting them into different environments all the time. And I think I didn't know which parent I was like or which family like dynamic was actually me. But I don't think really any of them are fully me. And sure. so if that kind of explains enough of that. And so I would say I was having an identity crisis without realizing as a young girl is an identity crisis. But you're trying to fit into something. Yeah. You're, you're trying to define yourself by the environments that you're in. Yeah. And all this is happening on your mom's side of the family, and she's married into some people there. You know, your grandma's a Christian, that whole thing. But what's going on on your dad's side? Like, can you talk about your dad? Yeah. My dad worked a lot, and so I didn't see him super consistently. And he worked really long shifts. And so the times that I did see him... You know, we would a lot of times stay with my grandma because he lived with them for a period of time. And mm -hmm. so we would go over there and we would do like a lot of fun things, camping, four wheeling, snowmobiling. We would do lake stuff. And looking back, I, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents when I was with my dad. But I do recall moments, you know, of being younger and my dad would take us out like to the bars with him. And you know, at the time it was fun, I guess, because I was learning how to play pool and touch screen games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there would be moments where it was hard to be there. For example, I was like in that environment, but I remember one time somebody I knew from school came to the bar we were at and I just felt all this shame come over me, almost mm -hmm. like this side of my life was exposed, which feels weird because, I mean, it was daytime, but I think I just had like a lot of shame around, around that. And I couldn't even really, I guess, identify why at the time. But yeah, so there was that. And my dad's really 
a tender, emotional guy, emotional in a good way, I would say. But he's a man of fewer words. And so I didn't really have like a super close relationship and I still Mm -hmm. wouldn't say that I do now and so I think a lot of the things we did were almost you know fun things that kids do but they were things they were like moments of you know happy happy moments and then the moments end and then the real connection like the heart connection isn't happening it was just like a fleeting thing and it wasn't fulfilling it was just momentary I think a lot of that was you know, we did stuff, but it wasn't like the heart connecting stuff. Right. Almost Disney dad. Like we're going to go on this yeah. water park adventure and then, but there's no connection emotionally there. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think it's because he didn't want to connect. You know, I think sometimes we don't know how to given our was, own yep. emotional intelligence. I was just going to say that. Yep. I, yeah. You know, I've, I've experienced that same thing. So... Yeah. And and also at the bar begging for quarters so you can begging for quarters. <laughs> I remember one time I was like doing pull tabs which is it's not legal but I was doing pull tabs and I was doing it for a while and then my grandma walks over and she does a pull tab and gets a hundred dollars and I'm like what in the world that was mine anyway <laughs> aka dad's but yeah so I To best describe that dynamic, it's like there were a lot of good things involved, but I would say more surfacey things, if that makes sense. I mean, there were disappointments, obviously. I don't know. Does that answer the question well enough? (laughs) It does answer the question. Absolutely. You know what? And I respect that. You want to be honoring. You love your dad. And, you know, it's like my dad. My dad is like the sweetest person on the planet. I find as I get older, we're connecting more. Yeah. Maybe it's because that testosterone is breaking down and he can actually, (laughs) he's actually getting softer. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I grew up the same way. So you're now like a junior high middle school, I guess they call it, uh, aged girl. And that is hard. Uh, That is hard in itself. Uh, Where are you finding that rest that we we spoke about earlier? Are you finding it in the church or are you still hanging out with grandma? Because not everybody is going to, you know, you're going to school. Not not everybody knows Jesus there. Yeah. And so you have to, so even there you have to feel, and I could be wrong, but you feel a little bit like an alien. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely wanted to be liked and accepted. And I think underneath everything, I kind of always felt like a black sheep. And, and you know, some of that could be my own doing. But I would say middle school, it depends on the year, because I feel like every year is so different. You're changing and your teeth are falling out and new ones are coming in and just, right. yeah, still in middle school. I am trying to remember... When I started going to, well, when I was in elementary school, there was a girl who talked about this thing called Kids Club, and it was every Wednesday, and she always talked about it, and I'm like, that sounds so amazing. So I actually got involved in Kids Club, and then later upgraded to youth group when I was of age, and so I think around, I want to say seventh and eighth grade, I really started finding like godly friends. But my friends at school, they were nice and everything, but I wouldn't say it was like super healthy because we're all, you know, our hormones are changing and we are emotional. And I had so much stuff going on at home and within myself that 
I was I would say I was kind of like depressed a lot and I kind of wore my emotions on my face and so even in that like people didn't understand and there was some like harsh things said about me in regards to that and so I would say the church was still that resting place but I think I was a little distracted in the first years or so until later yeah sorry that's not yeah. super clear but oh it is you know we we have so many guests and it reminded me of uh Bryce Arney who we talked to mm -hmm. earlier how same thing of course he was I mean he grew up, he was dirt poor, and he actually just started going to youth group because they offered some pizza, you know, oh, he wow. wanted some food. <laughs> so, it's always but, food. but he was able to find something there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, someone who cared. I, You know, someone, you just want to be seen. Yeah, exactly. You know? So then in, in high school years, who helped guide you through these times of you know, struggling with your identity, all of the turmoil. Was it your youth group from church that helped you? Yeah, I would say I befriended some girls from church and they were kind of a part of that. But I had two women in my life who were like mentors to me. And Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. I... I really can't stress that enough. I guess I didn't know what they were doing at the time, but looking back, I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. they were mentoring me. <laughs> I had no idea. But yeah, they just really, they would spend time with me, talk to me, encourage me, um, and really pour into me. So they were kind of helping me navigate some of that, which... I think made the world of a difference, to be honest. And then my mom was starting to find the Lord too. So, you know, she could start offering more right, godly right. input too. But yeah, the process of sanctification isn't a fast one. So, I mean. Well, and we're always talking to people that are mature believers to reach out to people and start mentoring and offer guidance. And that's great. You're a living example that it does pay off. Yeah, it oh, does yeah. work. It's like, Arnie gets so passionate about mentoring or he has a whole setup, but these people who have all this biblical knowledge, but they just don't want to reach past the pews. But you are absolute proof that it works. So yeah. that right there should motivate people. Like you have all these answers and all this love to give, just mm -hmm. go out and give it. Okay, so you do graduate and you start attending worship school. So you love worship? My love for music started out quite young before it was worship. I was obsessed with music and singing and I was dreaming of going on American Idol and I would sing into my microphone during the commercials. And so I really grew up just loving music and singing. And my grandpa on my dad's side was actually a pretty big influence in that. He would play his guitar and all of us little grandkids would get around him and sing. So, but then as I started to get older, I mean, you know, growing up, you get insecure and your body starts getting like, un like disproportionate when you're going through puberty until your head matches the size of your body. And, and so I think like, even in my voice, I started to get kind of quiet. And so in high school, I was still involved in things with singing, but I think my passion started to die a little bit. But then also the older I got, I realized my dream of wanting to become this famous singer, it seemed like selfish and like self-centered <laughs> in a sense, because that would be for my glory, not God's blah, 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 as I'm trying to, you know, figure that out. And so I remember the moment that I started hearing worship music. We were on our way to like a youth group thing and I heard 10th Avenue North on the radio. And I just remember thinking, this is worship? What? This is about God? 
it was just so crazy to me and that was kind of like the moment I realized okay worship music can be cool and so I started really listening to that and a lot of my music kind of switched then yeah when I graduated high school I just really felt like I needed to kind of get like a solid foundation under my feet before I went into college because I knew college was probably going to present me with a lot of opportunities, <laughs> um, good and right. bad. So I actually was accepted into a school in Texas. So my whole senior year, I was planning to do this thing and it actually fell through and I was really depressed. And then I found out from somebody else about a worship school. So I went to that and yeah, worship for me, I guess... You know, I started writing songs when I was like 14, and it was kind of an outlet for me to just express myself. I think music, for a lot of people, it's it's being able to express something that you can't always put into words, but with the pairing of some words in your voice, like you can communicate more, and then people can identify with that. And so worship was just a, a way for me to, to do that, to do something I love, but also be an outlet for all these feelings, but then mm -hmm. also, you know, worshiping the Lord and singing him a song, you know? Well, I think the Holy Spirit feeds you little nuggets in it because I know yeah. when I'm afraid, if I have to drive somewhere and I'm stressed, if I put worship music on, the words do speak to you. Like, I'm going to sing to God and he is great and he is good. It's a good reminder that he's got whatever you're struggling with in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Right? I, so... I love worship because we were all made to do it, you know, and even creation is like worshiping the Lord, which I just think is incredible. It's amazing because God is so good. Like when we worship him, it's for him. But in his goodness, he like pours it back out onto us. You know, it changes us in the process. And so I just think that's the beautiful part about his heart is that it's something we're made to do. It's a way to lift him up. But in the process, like you said, it reminds us we're not alone. He does have this. He he is with me. It's just something that we don't fully understand, I think, and we probably won't till we're in heaven. Worship is ministering to God. It's declaring things and declaring things for breakthrough. Would you say, you know, you're going through high school and one thing people don't know, but I'm about to reveal, is that you do a lot of videos. I've seen your videos on YouTube, and you talk a lot about purity, and you're you're not afraid to talk about it. Now, how old are you, Taylor? I'm 25. 25 years old and has stayed pure. You know, and my daughter worries about the world getting its, its grips on her. Would you say worship music and your love for that has been a nice distraction to sort of not be taken down by that? Offer some advice here to anyone listening that's struggling with that because struggling you see so many just staying pure, saving yeah. themselves for marriage. People who who get desperate, they want a boyfriend, they want a mm -hmm. girlfriend. How do they stay focused? I think the best way to keep a pure heart worship is definitely a great thing for us to do. But the best way I can say that I've been able to stay pure is to know more of who I am. Because when we say, don't do something, don't do something, this is bad, 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 and then boom, good. It's like in our human nature to almost want to, you know, not do that thing. And then the moment we do that thing, we we just feel a bunch of shame. But when I do something from identity, from a place of I know who I am, I know God's intentions for me. He is a pure father and I I want to keep myself pure. 
that's helped me, I guess, keep my heart pure and also knowing that like purity is so much more than even my actions, but it's the posture of my heart, you know. The more I just love God, love the Lord and learn his heart and his intentions, it's easier for me to to do that. Also just like really breaking down, I guess even what purity is, you know, we have to kind of define what it is for us in order to know what we're dealing with. And so for me, I've kind of gone on this journey of deconstructing what I thought purity was, what I think it is now, what God talks about with purity. And I've kind of gone on this journey of just being like, okay, I want to talk about the taboo topics. I want to talk about sexuality and just all of that to really break down like what drives us when it comes to purity and why sometimes it's hard. And so I think the more honest you are with yourself, for example, I grew up not really seeing love in a super healthy way. And so it kind of laid a foundation for purity that was not correct it was like the wrong lens it was harder to see it for what it was you know but the more I started to kind of refine it through God's lens I could kind of bring it into the light and see it for what it really was and then your heart like the more you love God you just want to please him you know you want to do things his way because he made us he knows our design he knows how we work he knows how our hearts function and so trusting that he knows the best way for me to do something. He knows the thing that's going to protect me the most. He knows the proper way. And so I think the best advice is be solid in your identity. Build yourself up there. Love God and then really break down honestly with yourself what it is that you're seeing it as and define it, you know, because if you can't define something, then we can't really understand it or navigate it well. That's very good. How how has it affected your relationship with, with other guys? Because what you're saying to some people is pretty revolutionary. It, you know, I mean, they would think, well, then are all guys not interested in you? Or talk about that. So it's kind of a it's kind of a long story there because I had some like father wounds, I would say. And so it really depends on the background you're coming from. For me, obviously, you know, I I liked guys and over the years, guys have asked me out. Um, but I think because of those father wounds, it was super easy for me to be like, mm, go away, I'm shutting it down, you know? It's kind of weird to explain. The best way I can explain it is like, I would just feel nauseous in my belly and I would just be like, this isn't right and I know it's not right. And it would just even be talking stage. I didn't even get that far. And then I would just start to feel like I was going to puke, which... It's terrible. Well, guys can be pretty gross. (laughs) Yeah, I know, growing up with brothers, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I would say I've had to learn how to navigate healthy relationships with men because I, I just didn't really know what that looked like in general. But then once I started to navigate that, and so when guys have asked me out, sometimes I'll be open and I'll say, yeah. And then the moment I get that feeling, I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, I trust this. And and that's the thing is people will tell you, well, are you sure you're not scared? Or how do you know that feeling is God? Or how do you know, or you should be this or that? So there's definitely a lot of pressures that come, but you have sure. to make a decision and and be like, this is my decision. I'm trusting my connection with the Lord to guide me, and I'm going to keep myself open, but also be in tune and just be secure in that because there, the world is always telling us love if you think about it. You right. watch movies, you 
you go out in public, even when you watch a movie, if there's not a love story, you're kind of like, oh, I kind of wish there was a love story, you know? But love is so much more than a relationship. And so just just knowing that like God knows your desire and and it'll come in the right time, be open. But the more you just look at him, I, I don't think we have to be searching all the time for it. Yeah, very helpful and very insightful. Well, I know with my own kids, I was in the kitchen one time and, and uh, my son said, uh, so-and-so listens to music with the word S-E-X. And, <laughs> and I go, sex? You know, I think as Christians, we're just told, oh, this is bad, or or we get the impression that sex is a bad thing, like it's a taboo topic, but actually it's a gift from God. Mm -hmm. He's just asking that we do it the way he's designed it for, which is one, one man, one woman becoming one flesh for life. That's it. It's a gift. I wonder sometimes if it's presented that way, the way God intended it to be, if it wouldn't be, just like you say, Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, of course, then that sin nature is like, well, I'm doing it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. I've been listening to a woman who speaks pretty openly about this, and she went on a journey to kind of find out why she believed what she believed. And she said something very interesting. She said, the world and the church are not that much different because they both put sex on a pedestal. And so like the moment we see this thing, we're always like looking up to it. You know, the church talks about it, like it puts it up there, but doesn't like really equip you. And then the world puts it up there, but they're like, yes, 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 yes. You know, this is the thing you want. And so it's like, we, we kind of need like a reformation even in the church to a degree. And I think it starts with good intentions, obviously. I don't think the church is trying to like present it in a way that's making it still hard for us to navigate that topic. But I just thought that was super intriguing that she said that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so right, you know. What draws you near to God on a daily basis? I think everything around us, I don't know how to explain it, but It's like I see him in the little details of the everyday things, you know? And so I think nature is the primary thing that draws me to him, just because it kind of stops you in your tracks. And when we talk about rest, that's really the thing that brings me rest. It's just sitting outside, listening to the sounds, adoring his creation. They say the language of heaven is metaphors or something, and I see him in metaphors a lot, you know? I just, I'll look at something, and then he just shares something with me, and so I think I just get drawn to him by like seeing him in all the details and seeing that he really is woven into the pieces of my life and your life and all of our lives, you know, and he wants to speak to us and he's, he's always there. And at the end of the day, I just, I would be a terrible person without him. (laughs) So I just know how much, I know how much I need him. And there's that song that, you know, says, I need you, Lord, I need you. And and I, I can't unknow that I need him. And so that also draws me to him. I would not be happy or fulfilled any other way. Yeah, I, I've tried those other ways. Yeah. <laughs> so what tends to trip you up? So you can't always be in nature. You can't always meditate. What, what are things that tend to throw you off track? Is it mainly self-doubt? And, and what do you do to recover from those things? Because we all have things we struggle oh, with. Oh, for sure. I think busyness is almost like a physical thing that trips us up in the emotional ways. And so sometimes I'll just get busy and I won't make time for him. And that's when, 
you know, my thoughts kind of start to take a turn. There's a verse in the Bible, I don't remember, but it talks about like the little foxes and the Lord has just continually been bringing that verse into my mind because it happens like so gradually, you know, you let those little foxes into your life and they start speaking little things at a time and then you realize, oh, I have really bad thinking right now. So I would say I overthink and doubt a lot and also just for a long time it was shame even just because I didn't know who I was. I didn't feel like I was good enough or, or valuable and the way you see yourself really affects like the way you pr approach life, the things you decide to do. Um, luckily, I'm starting to like grow in the shame thing. So it's mostly self-doubt and overthinking everything to death, honestly. Sometimes the first <laughs> thing you think is like, okay, Lord, I'm going with that. And I will just think about something and just turn it like a million different ways. And sometimes he's just got to like slap me on the face and be like, stop it, just stop. And so, yeah, I would say busyness, which leads to less time and intention with him. And then my thought life just kind of goes down. <laughs> yeah, no, that, but, that makes perfect sense. Taylor, do you attend church? I do. So many people are your age group walking away from church. Why do you attend church? Why do you attend the one that you do? I attend church because my pastors are very amazing and they are very in love with the Lord and they place a high value on following him and, and seeking after him. And so I started attending this church in particular because my parents came home and they were like, oh my gosh, they don't wear shoes. It's so cool there. And I'm like, oh, they sound really weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kind of reached like at the church I was at, it was the one I grew up in and it was wonderful, but I reached a point in my life where I just I felt like there was more, but I hit a wall and I, do, I didn't know what that wall was. And later I realized it was the Holy Spirit. Like I, I was not taught about the Holy Spirit a lot and I wasn't moving in the Holy Spirit to my knowledge, you know, and I wasn't engaging in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so my church is very spirit led. But aside from that, aside from like what God does when he shows up, just being a part of a community I can't stress that enough. Like we need to obviously have friends that aren't believers because they're the ones God's heart is after, but we need healthy people to support us. And when people, if you're part of a healthy church, you're going to be surrounded by support. And I can honestly say church, they're like my family. I know they would be there for me. I once had to move and I made like, one phone call and five people within like 15 minutes all showed up and just were helping me. And so the church is, you know, so much more than a building. It's so much more than going just to say, I went to church, I'm a good human. The vision I'm a part of actually empowers the saints in a sense. Like it says, okay, we're pastors and we're going to teach you, but we're also going to empower you to do the ministry because it's not just meant for pastors and people with special gifts. Like it, it's meant for all of us in everyday life. The conversations we have with people in the workplace, that's secular, you know? And so that's why I go there is because they've just really empowered me and believed in me and supported me. And when I go and when everybody else goes, it's like, 
you know that you're bringing something to offer and that the Lord wants to use you in that. So, and they disciple very, very well. And that has also been very key in my life. I, I have a lot of people in my life where they're just counsel, wise counsel, you know, and I can go to them. They know my heart and I know theirs. And so that's kind of a long answer. But when you really connect yourself to a church, like what you're going to put in is what you're going to get out. So if you go and you're just a number on a on a seat, then yeah, you're probably not going to be changed by it. But if you go and you decide like, this is something I want to actively engage in and be a part of so that I can go out and share the heart of God with everybody, it, it becomes a totally different thing. I will say it's, it's convicting because I'll just be forthcoming. I mean, Arnie knows me. I'm a big jerk sometimes, but <laughs> your church sounds lovely. That's what I want. That's yeah. what I want in a church. And I'm trying to right now figure it out. And I'm it's tr- hard to find. I'm trying yeah. to figure this out, Taylor, because literally I... You say you you love your the pastoral staff. Me, I go to church. There's one pastor that I that I connect with, and he doesn't preach all the time. So when he's not preaching, I'm going online to another church. Yeah, you know, and and just trying to find that connection. I want it, mm-hmm. and I like how you say what you put into it, you're going to get out of it. I just have not been able to do that, and and maybe the timing's off. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe because everything's just been upended there. Maybe it's me. I'm trying to sort that out. So what you're saying is making perfect sense. I want that. I want that connection. I was uh, a guest on a podcast and just talking about that hope we have that when we do get to heaven, the new earth, how we are going to find that community that we all deeply long for. Mm -hmm. Some people get a taste of that now and I mean, I get it here at Back to the Bible, everybody in this room. I I love that. Yeah. But I just can't find it in a building. Like I said, I'm going to take personal responsibility for my part in that. I just, I'm having a hard time finding it. Oh, yeah. No, it's, um, that was very, very helpful and insightful. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah, thank you guys, really. I, I really appreciate you having me. Well, Ernie, that from Taylor fantastic. We hope that everyone enjoyed listening to this program. That wraps up season two. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for for doing this, Kara, Uh, on your busy schedule as an author, even though you don't like to be called an author. Thank you so much. I've grown so close that I feel like I can identify as an author. Whoa, that's (laughs) scary. We'll talk more about that as we go closer. Visit GoCloser.com today for more stories of transformation and for your copy of Faith in Real Life, a powerful book that will inspire you to walk in the light, even when life gets dark. Request your copy of Faith in Real Life at GoCloser.com.